the accidental engineer welcome all max of the accidental engineer here today we have the pleasure of being rejoined today by anand kulkarni welcome anand hey great to be here great to be back great to have you ceo of crowdbotics a startup in the space of uh, software engineering as a service i guess i think that's a fair way to put it we try to think <laughs> about it a little bit more like somewhere between infrastructure as a service and automatic code generation on demand. If you haven't been following the Crowdbotics story, uh, I'll give you the short version. We're a two and a half year old tech startup founded by me. I bootstrapped the thing pretty far myself. About a year ago, we raised our first seed round for some, from some fantastic people. Um, what we want to be is basically the way, uh, the easy way to build applications, right? So every application you build ends up having lots and lots of different pieces. Um, authentication, database, DevOps, hosting infrastructure, third-party integrations. We generate a whole bunch of that for you and spin it up on the fly automatically. And then we've got this big universe of on-demand engineers. You can add into products to extend them and expand them. So um, that's Crowdbotics in a nutshell. By and large, your guys' customers are primarily, I'd guess, non-technical employees at businesses that uh, are interested in building software but do not have the in-house resources to? Is that a fair description of who your guys' current customer base kind of yeah. looks like? Yeah, so those are the folks who pay our bills, so to speak. Um, okay. We end up offering something for people who are inside companies who maybe know a little bit about technology or a lot about technology but don't have their own engineering workforce or they can't get engineering to go help them out with their pet problems. Um, and we enable those folks to build out software applications um, without having engineers in-house. But we also see a larger number of companies coming in um, that are just uh, startups uh, trying to build the first version of their product um, or engineers who are trying to self-serve something uh, using our self-serve interface or self-serve product to build out their own starter code bases um, and try and skip all the initial research and development steps you have to do in the beginning. Um, but uh, by and large, the majority of the people who are paying us uh, are folks who are non-technical, which is great. Awesome. Yeah. Never mind who they are. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit about your guys' new product release. Uh, you're talking about the self-serve product. This is a new product that you guys have put out there and that people are using. What is the self-serve Crowdbotics product? Yeah, sure thing. So, um, you know, for the first couple of years we were building this company, um, we were building out this pretty cool technology, this reusable framework for rapidly snapping together applications from basic pieces. So um, you can imagine, let's say you're building a mobile application. Okay, every mobile app you build is going to follow the same basic steps, right? You're going to have to pick your basic architecture, connect it up to a backend cloud server, set up authentication and registration, build your database models, uh, and then plug in like a profile, a settings page, dot, 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 a whole list of things. Um, and the code that we had ended up building was stuff that we were uh, manually snapping together and then automatically snapping together on behalf of customers. So earlier this year, we decided to open this up to the world and say, okay, you don't have to come talk to us anymore. You can just use this framework on your own. Um, so this is the Crowdbox uh, app builder. Uh, you can use it right now on the web, crowdbox.com, and generate an app. Um, you show up, you click start building, you pick one of 13 different basic application architectures, and we'll generate the code base for you, the DevOps for you, the GitHub repository for you, uh, a product management board in Trello, and we'll give you connections into a backend cloud server, plus the whole thing is wrapped in like easy to use uh, 
packaging so you can take the code and move it between different clouds or do things like uh, click a button and install new features, uh, all of which is pretty cool. And the idea here is that it's that self-serve app builder is really geared about uh, geared more people who are developers as opposed to people who are uh, the kind of uh, business teams that have been uh, using us in the past. So I myself have given App Builder a shot, oh, and cool. I was impressed at how many different third-party services that a software product depends on that you guys brought in for me. And to list off a few, this is all very transparent because as you use the App Builder, it creates a GitHub repository for you. Um, you uh, have access to the repository, I believe. You can push to it yourself yep, that's right. uh, in collaboration with Crowdbox Experts, which is uh, the, uh, the other service that you guys offer. And uh, what I found interesting when it came to the third-party services you guys brought in, you mentioned Trello for product management. We mentioned GitHub, uh, but also the hosting itself of your app on Heroku. Uh, are there any others that I'm forgetting here? There is. Um, we have support for Google Firebase, which is uh, our main mobile backend, as well as AWS. Uh, if you are choosing to host on AWS, which a subset of our customers do, and then a we have one or two people who really want exotic uh, cloud services. So we also support uh, Ali Yuan, which is Alibaba's uh, cloud hosting service. Okay. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of third parties that you can optionally add in, right? So if you want Facebook login or Google login or Stripe integration, um, you can install that into your product with a single click. Fair enough. Uh, what What is it that orchestrates all of this? I, I know there are tools out there, and I don't mean to spill the secret sauce, but... What, how do you guys manage to pull in so many third-party services for App Builder users? Okay, cool. So it's actually not... Um, I love talking about this stuff because it was a technical uh, achievement for us to build all this, but it's not secret. And I think it's actually instructive for people to understand how to build a large-scale orchestration system of this type um, in a relatively short time frame. Okay, so uh, the core architecture of Crowdbotics itself, the App Builder, is uh, a Django stack um, built in-house. Um, this thing handles a bunch of our provisioning, meaning um, it'll go and request new instances from platforms like uh, AWS or Heroku. Um, it will provision code out of a bunch of generators that we've constructed um, and then runs that in a background process, um, which gets spun up separately so that lots of people can build and manage apps at the same time. And then, of course, once everything is generated, GitHub becomes a central data store for somebody's code to live in. Um, the nice thing is that the entire application uh, hosting level is defined inside that code base thanks to Terraform. So um, we can really use the code layer as the main mechanism for doing this. Uh, all the services we talked about have good, robust APIs, which have allowed us to snap together this kind of system really quickly and efficiently mm -hmm. and uh, give our customers the assurances that um, things won't go down. So I'll mention that... Um, there were a couple things we did that are a little bit more complicated. Um, we, for example, crawled everything inside PyPy, NPM, and RubyGems to find packages that we could use and like offer to our customers that were fairly licensed. Mm -hmm. um, and that was non-trivial. <laughs> um, it's also non-trivial to figure out ways to make some of those packages one-click install into an existing code base. Um, and those two pieces, because they're hard to do, it's not that they're you know technically... Uh, Impossible. You know, any of the listeners of TAE could like follow along with the process. I think 
but it's a big pain to do, which is why nobody has done that before. For sure, for sure. And for our audience that don't know Terraform, it's a configuration as code tool. So yeah. you write a manifest of everything that you want uh, stood up uh, in different third-party services. That could be even GitHub, I believe. That can be um, DNS, like if you have a custom domain name, uh, Heroku, where you might want to deploy your code to. Uh, but for audience that don't know Terraform, it's an extremely powerful tool, and it's cool that you guys are using it. For uh, experientially what you guys have seen as far as customers getting their hands dirty with uh, extending on what you provide, uh, are there, besides mentioning some stranger or more rare requests like needing to deploy to the Alibaba cloud, for example, are customers pushing the envelope when it comes to uh, using Terraform them, themselves after you guys generate a template? So that's a really interesting question. Um, one of the reasons that we ended up deciding to support Terraform um, is that DevOps is a pain, sort of point blank, a big pain. And you probably know this well from the work you've done in DevOps in your own career um, and probably your listeners who have messed around with like AWS IAM settings <laughs> before. Um, Nobody likes doing that stuff. Um, and so one of our basic um, product bets was that if we could insulate customers from the pain of having to deal with uh, configuration settings on a uh, infrastructure level, um, people would get more value out of using Crowdbotics. So a good example is like, if you want to switch from, let's say you want to migrate from Heroku to AWS or vice versa, which is a more common transition, um, Normally, you are spending a bunch of time looking over configuration tables and trying to copy environment variables. And with Terraform, we can make that process more or less automated. There's a few checks you have to run to make sure things went smoothly, but you don't have to really deal with the same kind of pain points anymore. Um, so that's, um, I think, a, a slightly different direction people usually go. Rather than trying to push the envelope with Terraform configurations, they ask us to take that annoyance away from them which I think is the right decision. Um, you know, unless people really love uh, running up, you know, spinning up thousands of clusters and trying to monitor uh, exactly what those clusters are doing, um, you know, there's a lot to like about not having to think about that. Here, here. <laughs> uh, for, I guess, our audience members that are curious about startup decision-making where there's product dependencies on third parties. Yeah. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the level of relationship that Crowdbotics and AppBuilder have with these different hosting platforms, yeah, whether it's definitely. for project management, code, uh, deployments? Okay, sure. So um, I can tell you a little bit about um, how we work with um, the different types of companies in this ecosystem. Um, so the first thing I always recommend to people when they're thinking about product decision making uh, especially when they're building on uh, systems that use third parties, is like always be boring in your choices as much as you can. Like uh, pick tech stacks and tech providers that have been around for some time, or if they haven't been around for that long, where you can easily get access to the underlying systems if you have to, because yeah. um, you never want to build like mission critical infrastructure on something that was just like spun up last week. And like we were bit with bit by this in the early days of my first company um, where we picked we we did bet on a wonderful little startup that was competing with heroku um 
that eventually turned into a very uh, much uh, bigger company called Docker, but at the time we were running a Heroku competitor, and okay, you know, we didn't get quite the level of robust uptime that we, we needed to get. Um, okay, so that kind of experience has uh, shaped the way I think about um, uh, the infrastructure we provide today. So for us, um, we have uh, made uh, big steps to make sure that the companies that we work with are companies that either have um, uh, very robust uh, scalability and uh, can provide uh, the ability to continue to scale up as our customers grow. Um, so AWS, Google Cloud, Heroku all fall into that category. Um, and we've picked companies that, uh, in another sense, have official, uh, supported, effective third-party APIs, right? So um, Trello and uh, GitHub both fall into that category. Mm -hmm. There's also companies where we have like an official, like declared partnership that we can discuss and Stripe is one of those where yeah like we actively support people who are building stuff on Stripe mm -hmm. um, because we love Stripe and uh, um, that's the way we, we break it out. Um, we try not to recommend to customers or even support use cases where people are using really uh, untested third-party systems. Um, all of those are fun to build around. Uh, it's not necessarily something we want to recommend to people who are building apps for the first time. Um, Mind if we dig into, you mentioned indexing the different uh, package indexes yeah. for popular programming languages like Python, Ruby, and JavaScript. Mm -hmm. You got your pip, you got your yep. gem, you got your npm. Yep. What, what were you guys trying to do there, and, and what has been the legacy of that project? Okay, cool. So, um, great question. So, um, if we look at this question of, let's say you're trying to build an app, what's, what's really hard about that, right? Okay, because all of us know how to build software in general, but there's a difference between that and being able to rapidly stand up an application in like five minutes. Um, so there's two parts that are hard. The first is like this decision-making question. What stack do I use? What version of the stack do I use? How do I grab the stack and deploy it and provision it? Okay, so Cradbotic solves all that because we just give you a list of stacks, you pick a stack, and then you have a server going in like five minutes. Um, Okay, but the other question is, and this is the more important one, how do I know the stack I'm making is gonna support all the technical features I wanna add downstream? And that's the one that like, people sometimes wrangle with a lot, like, okay, should I build like a Swift app or a React Native app? And what are the trade-offs? Because I don't know what features are gonna get supported. So I think that's the decision that we want people to not have to make if they're developing applications. We would like to provide abstracted support across all of these stacks for features that you wanna add in. So that was our goal in crawling all these repositories, was to figure out um, what features can you automatically add in to products to uh, make it substantially simpler to turn on various features in an application you're building. And so that's the second part of Crowdbotics. Like aside from these, what we call scaffolds that you can spin up really quickly, you have this universe of features that you can add in, which we call blueprints. And you click a button and it installs itself into your app. And now you've got like the ability to take credit cards or the ability to log in with Google, which are like cool, neat features to have um, that otherwise you might have to spend some time researching, coding yourself. Okay, so that's why we crawled all these systems, right? So um, let me give you an example. Um, if you're trying to install, let's say Facebook login into a standard stock web app that you are building, how would you do that? Well, you might research the page on Facebook stocks that says, here's how you make 
you know, here's some code you can copy and paste in 16 different languages that'll let you do Facebook login. Okay, <laughs> and then you copy that code, you like debug it for 20 minutes, and then it's running. And it's like not that complicated. But there's a package inside, let's say you're building a Django application. There's a package inside PyPy called Django Social Auth, and there's another one called Django All Auth. And both of these packages will support uh, not just Facebook login, but uh, Google login, uh, Slack login, and like 15 other different social login features. And if you know that, then it's easy. You just say, oh, well, that's the package I would use. And if you're an experienced engineer, you would probably know something like this already for whatever your preferred programming framework is. Um, if you are not experienced enough to know that, this is a great way to like get that part done for you. Um, we'll grab the package, we'll install a package, and we'll configure the package, um, like all without you needing to actually touch the package layer or figure that out. Uh, so that's why we crawled all these systems was to figure out which packages were good for what things. And you know, if you look inside those systems, you will find that like more than half of the packages inside these public systems are like not really good for anything. Um, others are like useful for something, but it's a really, really like trivial use case, like LeftPad, right? <laughs> like for audience that don't know about LeftPad, LeftPad was a JavaScript library that performs some very, very trivial functionality. I think it's padding strings with spaces. Yeah, on the left, yeah. And some, it, was a, it was a dependency for a lot of stuff. And, and uh, the devel original developer decided he didn't want to have open source projects anymore, and he deleted it, uh, causing a cascade <laughs> of failures around the world of yeah. JavaScript uh, shops. And, <laughs> and this, you know, the funny thing is this is known as a risk for everybody who is developing on um, yeah. on any of these three frameworks that use like the universe of open source packages, which everybody does, basically. Yeah. Um, and so people are thinking about this in different ways, right? Some people are worried this is like a house of cards because there's risk structures baked in and it's pretty easy to put in like malicious packages or to sneak in um, code that... Uh, uh, looks like something else, um, or to just have code that doesn't get maintained. Mm -hmm. So the other goal that we had here was to figure out if we could actually identify which packages were robust enough to be commercially used and say, okay, this is the right package, given the fact that there are so many packages out there. And then to give some assurances that like, we have a pinned version of this. If something changes, then we'll make sure that package stays in good shape. So don't worry about it. Um, what are the most popular blueprints? Okay, so um, the funny thing is, is if you see, like nowadays we're seeing almost 200 applications being built on Crowdbotics every week, which is nice. cool. But we see a lot of the same stuff uh, being used over and over again, right? And this should be no surprise. Um, and when I tell you the common stuff, it'll be like pretty obvious why this stuff is common. So authentication is common enough that we include it with every single uh, scaffold that is built in Crowdbotics. Um, mm -hmm. because just about every app needs authentication, right? And it might not be unique authentication to you, it might be a social authentication or something else. Um, REST APIs are extremely popular, um, primarily because if people are building mobile apps or single page applications, they will need those REST APIs to be able to interact and interface with them. Um, then you've got functionality level stuff. Um, on mobile, the mapping and geolocation features are overwhelmingly popular because applications need that. Push notifications, same story. Um, we're starting to see many more customers use uh, calendar integrations for scheduling activities um, and then uh, payments integrations um, because people are trying to do uh, uh, 
basically things that make money or take credit cards. Go figure. Uh, yeah, no surprise. <laughs> um, one thing that is, a, I'll give you some surprising ones um, that uh, I wouldn't have anticipated, but which makes sense. Um, packages having to do with social sharing, um, hmm. because people want to build in uh, features to refer other users or uh, take social, um, use social channels to pull in other folks. Uh, that one makes sense. Um, and then we see plenty of folks who are integrating um, things around uh, third-party APIs for SMS or phone calling, which is another cool one. Definitely, so, definitely. Yeah, I, I want to clarify for our viewers kind of what distinguishes, in my experience, the app builder you guys have built versus maybe Netlify. Oh, sure. Is that there are products out there for you know providing hosting for your static web page where somebody can come read your blog post or whatever. This is not that. That's right. <laughs> so it's, it's, the, like you're describing with these blueprints, there's a lot of functionality that a Netlify cannot host uh, that App Builder enables. For example, logging in and authentication, authorization stuff, this is all has to be server-side. Uh, it's so, stuff where you need a database, essentially. Yes. And Netlify, which is a great product for static hosting, and you and I have both used it in the past. Absolutely. Um, it's a super fast way to get a web page up, which I think is fantastic. But there's a lot of stuff that you want to do that is um, beyond that level where you will need to have a server-side set of functionality. Mm -hmm. um, and like the classic example is login, right? Or <laughs> no, taking a credit card. You mm -hmm. um, all of those things require you to have a, a back end of some form. And it's unfortunate because um, like more and more people are becoming very comfortable with the front end. And a lot of um, people who are learning to build software for the first time start with JavaScript and CSS, um, which is a great entry point. But um, they don't end up being able to operate without that backend layer because the requirements are, hey, go learn a framework for the first time or go learn AWS for the first time, which is it's, <laughs> it's super painful uh, the first time you do it. And so it's nice to be able to let people operate just at the front end level if they want to, um, or to at least guide people through the back end process as much as possible. Let's say a competitor of GitHub wants to be, you know, Cradbotics's uh, Git hosting provider of choice. Mm -hmm. uh, do you envision a future where uh, vendors are coming to Crowdbotics to integrate with App Builder? So, yeah, that's a fantastic question. So long term, of course, I'd love to see that happen. Um, I think as we get more and more applications built on our system, we'll figure out ways to open up our ecosystem so that other people can build plugins into Crowdbotics as opposed to what we do today, which is building a lot of these plugins ourselves to kind of get the system moving. Um, we actually already do support a competitor to, to GitHub. Um, there's probably only one worth mentioning, GitLab, okay. right? Um, because we see customers who show up and they're like, hey, I have a GitLab repo. Can I still use Crowdbotics and like hook up my code to Crowdbotics? And we say, yes, we have the ability to import from GitLab. And at least right now, we don't have any preference. We don't force people to use GitHub, yeah. though we think people should think about it. <laughs> we do require them to use Git uh, for sure, because mm -hmm. that is, at least we believe, that is the core of how people should be doing um, uh, code management. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I don't think I, I missed any striking on any topics that were on my mind. Is there anything else you'd want to add? Well, I think that one thing that uh, I'll mention is that um, we really like to see uh, people who are 
maybe even CAE's audience, um, trying to build new and interesting things on Crowdbotics. Um, there's a like the to build open source products is totally free, um, and so if people are curious to try it out, they should go and build some stuff. We've got terrific uh, support in our community for people who want to go and build things, and of course, if people are professionals and they want to just get something built for them, we've also got uh, a very active. Uh, expert community of developers who are willing to chip in. Yeah, I can enthusiastically echo that. Audience members should definitely check out the App Builder. Uh, they can find it at crowdbotics.com. Yep, right on the front uh, page. I'll include a link in the show notes. Uh, but otherwise, thank you for coming on. Hey, I my pleasure, it. yeah. Thank you, Max. For more, visit us on iTunes or our website at theaccidentalengineer.com.